0: Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelledchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jamin. So great to see you. And please excuse my voice. It's been congested over the last few days, so if I sound a little different, that's why. But, um, hey, I just want to encourage you in what that video we just saw harvest america we are one week away next sunday uh this evangelistic event at uh university of phoenix stadium over on the west side we are planning to pack that uh stadium out as a city of phoenix with not only believers but people that don't know the lord and Great glory and all the different um musical artists that will be there, and feel welcome to lead us in worship that night. I encourage you to be a part. I hope that you're praying about it and seeing whom you can invite if you've not already invited somebody to come with you, and just that we would see this city come to know Christ. And I believe God wants to do something special through this event in our city. And so I encourage you to be a part and um, if you wanna get involved in serving, I know that they have needs for people still to serve and to get involved that night at the event. They're looking for 5,000 volunteers uh, who could serve, and they have just over 3,000 at this point, but I know they're needing um, decision follow-up workers, so people that come down to the field and receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Savior, they need people to come and talk with them a few moments, to uh, share with them about how to pray, how to read their Bible, um, and give them a Bible, and then uh, get some information from them. And so if you're interested in that, or if you're interested in being an usher, or singing in the choir, or even being a part of the prayer team who will be praying during that Time for the people to surrender their hearts and lives to the Lord, any one of those areas. Please, there should be a slide behind me. Please go to serve.harvestamerica.com. You can sign up there and they'll give you the information. And I know doors open at 2 p.m. next Sunday. The event starts at 5. It'll be two hours long. And uh, I encourage you to carpool. The event is free but parking is $10. So if you have any further questions, please let us know. I encourage you to sign up at the back information table as well. Also today, just a reminder, afterwards is our water baptism and barbecue. We wanna invite the entire church to come and be a part of this celebrating those lives that have dedicated their hearts and lives to Christ and now publicly displaying their love for Jesus. And so also just we are providing burgers and hot dogs as as a church. And so we just ask that you provide a side dish and or dessert uh, just to pass and share. But this would be a great time for us to connect and celebrate. All right, if you will, if you pull out your Bibles and pull out your outlines Uh, that are attached to your planner. And if you would, silent your phone at this time so you're not a distraction to those around you. We're starting this new series today entitled Fruit of the Spirit. And so over the course of the next five weeks, we're not going to take nine weeks to look at all the fruit. We're going to just take five weeks, including today. We're going to look at the different fruit that are listed in Galatians chapter five. And uh, maybe you have Remember going to Sunday school as a child, and and you talked about the fruit of the Spirit, or that's when you first learned about it, and we're going to take an an in-depth look at these uh, throughout this series, and we just finished looking at who the Holy Spirit is and his role in our lives, and his role is really to bring about God's will in our lives, to bring about his plan, which includes shaping us and molding us into the image of Christ, And in order to become more like Christ, we have to take on his character, including the fruit of the Spirit. And I just really felt prompted to to really do this series right out of this last series that we came out of because if Holy Spirit is at work in us, if he's doing his part and his role, then we need to understand and be able to see the fruit of what he wants to do in us. And so... Holy Spirit works in us to bring about his fruit to pass. So I want to look at that within the context of this series. In other words, I want you to see this morning that the fruit of the Spirit is our spiritual resume. The fruit of the Spirit is our spiritual resume. Now, when it comes to our giftings, our abilities, our skills, education, our work experiences, and life experiences, we have a resume. We all have a resume, whether it's on paper or not, there's some resume in a certain form that we have. It's really a list of accomplishments or, uh, or achievements that we have done within our lives. And when we go to apply for a job, we are generally asked to fill out an application or we're asked to also submit a resume with that application. And really our potential employer wants to see who we are. They want to discover who we are as a person and what we've done and what we've accomplished, why? So they can try to make the right decision in who they hire for that position. And so that, that resume that we submit really says a lot about our skills and our abilities and what we've done. It covers our educational work experiences and it may give other information that is pertinent to who we are as a person. In the same way, the fruit of the spirit is our spiritual resume. And I wanna ask you some questions this morning to get you to think along these terms. The first is this, which fruit of the nine are on your resume today? Are we operating in all nine of the fruit, or just some? Which are we strong in, and which are the weak ones within our lives? Have you seen your fruit continually mature, or are they stagnant? And last question I wanna ask you is, are we even aware of what fruit are in action within our lives? We each, again, have a spiritual resume that Holy Spirit is at work on within us, within our lives. But it's up to us to allow him to grow the fruit to maturity. And as we put our faith in God, we begin to take on the character of Jesus. And Holy Spirit's role is to bring that fruit to light within our lives. Are you with me? Make sense? All right. So I want to make sure you guys are tracking with me. In Psalm chapter one, the writer says that when we follow after God's word, we are blessed and we bear fruit. I wanna read verses one through three. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. If we're walking in God's ways, then we will reap God's blessing within our life. Our life will be like that tree that's planted next to the streams of water, that's producing fruit, that's bearing fruit in its season. And whatever we put our hands to, God will help us to prosper. It's scriptural, it's right there right right before our eyes. And I want you to see this morning that if Holy Spirit is working in us, then his fruit should manifest through us. If he's at work in our lives, which he is, if we're allowing him to be at work in our lives, which we should be, then his fruit should manifest within our lives. We should be bearing fruit within our hearts and lives. His fruit should be evident in us. It should be evident to those around us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Our words and actions should testify to the fruit that we are bearing in our lives. In other words, what comes out of us will bring testimony to the fact that God is at work in us, in our life. If we're not bearing healthy fruit, then we may not be planted next to the stream of water. Instead, we may be planted away from the water and we're bearing fruit of our own desires the things that we want within our flesh. And Paul talked about that in Galatians chapter five. And I I wanna read verses 13 through 18 before we get to the actual fruit of the spirit. And the reason why is because sometimes we can just go to one specific segment of a chapter and we can miss out on everything leading up to that certain point. And I want you to get the context of what Paul is really saying when it comes to the fruit of the spirit. And so he says in verses 13 through 18, he says, "'You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, "'but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. "'Rather, serve one another humbly in love, "'for the entire law is fulfilled "'in keeping this one command, "'love your neighbor as yourself. "'If you bite and devour each other, "'watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. "'So I say, walk by the Spirit "'and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh.' For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul was saying this. He's saying our freedom in Christ should not be used for selfish gain or purposes. Meaning we can't use our freedom in Christ to do whatever we want to do, so that we please our flesh. In other words he says we must serve others with humility. Look at others before we look at ourselves is what Paul is saying. If we don't if we do what we want then we're focused on ourselves. And that's where we get into trouble. Paul says that's where we can bite with our words because we're not focused on who God wants us to focus on. And we treat each other out of selfishness rather than love. And we will destroy each other with our lack of love and humility. That's why, Paul says, we have to walk by the Spirit so that we don't gratify our selfishness. If you haven't realized it yet, church, as believers, we live in the conflict of fleshly desires versus God's desires. We live in the tension or the constant conflict between our flesh and what it wants and what God wants for us, his desires for us. It's a daily battle that we all face. We can just put it out there and lay it out there because that's the fact. We all face that. Are we gonna walk by our flesh today or are we gonna walk by the spirit? And if we're not careful, we can easily get caught up in walking to fulfill our flesh. But if we recognize this battle and the conflict that we're in, we can see clearly the direction that we should go it becomes very clear if we're conscious of that battle that we're in. That's why our flesh, which consists of our mind, our will, our emotions, and our physical body must be surrendered to Holy Spirit. Amen. When Paul talks about our flesh, he's referring to our mind, will, emotions, and physical body. It's not just our body, because a lot of times we think of our, our, our flesh as our physical body, where we finally act out whatever choice we've made within our life. But it also includes our will, emotions, and our mind within our lives. And so with Holy Spirit's help, we must surrender all of our flesh to him. The thoughts in our mind steer us in the direction that we want to go. that's That's why we have to take those thoughts captive, Paul says in Corinthians, and to make them obedient to Christ every thought needs to be taken captive. And so whatever our thoughts, whether fleshly or godly, they set us in the direction that we will go through our will and our emotions. And if they're fleshly thoughts, our emotions and will get to the point where they desire them, and then our choices are acted out through our physical body. And so our entire flesh consists of those four things. And so we have to surrender every aspect of our flesh to Holy Spirit in order to see the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives. In other words, we have to die to ourselves and our flesh in order for the Holy Spirit to bring to pass and to grow the fruit that he wants to grow within our lives. Amen. And Paul then lists off the obvious acts of the flesh, such as sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, he gives us this warning. He says, he warns us that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is saying, don't be fooled. Don't think that you can continue to live like this or have any part of this. Don't, don't be fooled that your flesh can act on these desires that you have because you're not gonna inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to talk about the fruit of the spirit, which we're gonna look at now. Verses 22 through 26. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I want you to see that these fruit are not produced by the law, but they're in harmony with the law and they portray our attitude towards God, towards others, and towards ourselves. Again, these fruit are are, are produced through the Holy Spirit, they're not produced through the law. They're not produced by self-effort or by works. We can't be good enough to produce these fruit. It's only through the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that will bring about these fruit to pass. There is no law opposed to these fruit, but these fruit work in harmony with God's law, is what Paul is saying here in this passage. And really, the amount of these fruit and how active they are in our lives is an indicator in our attitude towards God, towards others, and towards ourselves. In fact, some commentators, some Bible commentators talk about how Paul even kind of broke these down or he was listing these there as three separate groups, meaning love, joy, and peace are virtues of our relationship with God. Forbearance, kindness, and goodness are virtues, virtues in our interaction and concern for others. And then, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are virtues based on our own conduct. But whether that was Paul as Paul's intention or not, these nine fruits are to work together in unity in every area of our life, so that we take on the character of Christ within us. And again, this only comes about when we are walking by the Spirit. That's the only way that these fruit are going to grow and mature. And so the first fruit mentioned here and that we're going to talk about today is love. We want to look at love. Love is the foundation of these virtues. It's the core foundation of every one of these other eight virtues that Paul listed. And we obviously need all nine of these fruits working in action within our lives, but love is the core of the foundation in which all of these work. Without love our words and actions are empty. They are meaningless. The reason the other eight fruit will have success and maturity is because it all starts with love. And Paul talks about the importance of love in 1 Corinthians 13. He says if we operate in spiritual gifts but don't have love, we are nothing and we don't gain anything. In other words, who we are as believers and everything we do should be done in and out of love. Amen. Every single thing that we do as a believer and the follower of Christ, should be done in and out of love, first and foremost. And so Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, verses four through 8A, I want to read, it says, "Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy, it does not boast. it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so Paul paints this picture of what love is and what love isn't. And I want you to see this morning that love never fails because of its power. Love never fails because of the power of love. In fact, love accomplishes what it sets out to do because of the power that it has. Love can conquer all. And we see the topic of love, love all the way throughout scripture, Old Testament and new. And if we're walking by the spirit and we are loving God and we're loving people, then this is what our love should look like. We will be patient with people. If we're truly loving God and loving people, then we're going to be patient with people. Now, that's, that's hard. That's hard. I'm telling you, from me personally, that's hard. But that's the constant conflict and tension that we live in. We should show kindness to people, even when we're in a hurry. We're not going to be envious or jealous of others. We're not going to go around boasting about ourselves or being prideful. We're not going to put others down. We're not going to dishonor them. Even if we have a different belief than them. Love isn't trying to meet my needs and not meet others' needs. It doesn't easily get angered and remember all the wrongs that people have said about us or done towards us. Love gets excited, though, about the truth. Not evil things or desires. And it will protect others. It will trust in others. It will put its hope in others always and will never stop persevering or moving forward in Christ. You see, love never fails. It never fails. And when it comes to our relationship with God, I want you to understand that our love for God will never let us down. Our love for God will never let us down. Sometimes we may have thoughts that God will let us down Or the enemy will lie to us, telling us that God's let us down in the past. Or that he's gonna let us down in the future, so don't put your hope in God. Don't don't continue to love God because he's gonna let you down, the enemy will tell us. But the truth is, our love for God will never let us down. We will never regret putting God first through our love for him. Love is the foundation of who we are in Christ, and in our identity in and through him. And I want, obviously, we know that Jesus obviously talked about the importance of love. And I want to look at Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Because Jesus says in here, He says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. I want you to understand that love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. Love will cost us everything within our lives. It takes all of our heart. It takes all of our soul. It takes all of our mind to love God. It takes sacrifice on our part, on our part, love that doesn't cost us something is not love. That's why the father sent his one and only son. It cost him his son's life so that we could have salvation. Why? Because he loved us. It cost him something. To love our neighbor, we have to take the, the same effort that we put into loving ourselves to love them. Now we can put a lot of time, we can put a lot of effort into loving ourselves. But we have to set our time, our focus, and our effort to effort to love others. It takes sacrifice on our part to love people. And this applies to those that we know closely and to, towards those that we don't necessarily know closely. And sometimes it's harder, or it's a more of a sacrifice, or it's a bigger sacrifice to love our spouse and our family. And this is why, because those closest to us know us best, and vice versa. And in these types of relationships, our love will be tested the most. They will always be tested the most when we have those close relationships, whether a spouse or a close immediate family around us. Are we gonna be patient with them? Are we gonna be kind? not self-seeking are we not going to dishonor them are we not going to easily get upset and angry are we not going to keep a record of wrongs but we're we are purposefully trying to protect to trust and put all of our hope in them and in our relationship with them and to continue to persevere and so when it comes to loving those closest to us or people in general Jesus was saying that all of God's law and what the prophets say is dependent on our love for God and for others. All of it is dependent on are we gonna love God and are we gonna love people? He was communicating this point that loving God and others are what matters most is what Jesus broke it down to in the greatest commandment. He said, if we love God with everything in us and we love others like we love ourselves, then everything else will fall into line. Everything else will fall into line. All the other commands in God's word become easier when we love God and we love people. And sometimes we try to separate God's word. Well, you know, I, I gotta I got do this, I gotta do that. Well, Jesus is saying, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then love others the way that you love yourself. If you do that, everything else will come into line. You're not gonna offend people. Amen. You're gonna have the patience you need to love others. You have the ability to be kind and have self-control. And every other fruit that's listed there will come into alignment because of you love God and you love others. And if we focus on this, if we focus on loving God and others, then we open up our hearts and lives for Holy Spirit to grow his fruit in us. Because we're being obedient to what Jesus asks us to do. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your, only your own people What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So in his address about loving our enemies or those that are against us and persecute us, Jesus was calling us to be mature believers so that we can love without limits. That's really what he was saying here. And I know when when he begins to get to this passage of loving your enemies, whoa, okay, Jesus, I get my family members, I need to work on that. I get those around me, but my enemies, are you kidding me? And yet, that's what God calls us to. And it's not even necessarily those people that we are necessarily fighting against, it's those that are maybe opposed to us, those that are against us, those that have something out for us, those who will be considered our, our, our enemies. And anyone that would fall into that category, we're supposed to love, Jesus said. Why? Because we're supposed to be mature believers so that we can love without limits. Jesus was saying, it's easy to love those that love us, but it's difficult to love those that don't love us or those that even hate us. And so we must pray for them and show them love, Jesus said. And then he goes on to say that we should be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Now, at first glance, we can say, hold on a minute. There is no way that I'm going to be perfect without sin. Why are you even saying that, Jesus? But in order to understand the context, he's not talking about being perfect without sin here in this moment. What he's saying is this Jesus is referring here to how we love, the way the Heavenly Father loves. We're supposed to love people without limits. And so many times we put limits on our love, and we love people a certain way, and we put parameters on that love. Well, I'm going to love you if you stay this distance, or I'm going to love you if if you don't do this or that, and then we will love them. But Jesus is saying, take off the limits. Love is is unconditional. Love is freely given. It's a sacrifice but we're called to love the way our Heavenly Father loves. We're called to love all people, not just certain people. Why? Because our Heavenly Father loves all people. He loves every single person that has ever lived and that will ever live. And Jesus was saying, we need to grow in our love so that we become mature believers. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect in your love towards others. So love as the fruit of the spirit needs to grow to maturity in our lives. When it comes down to it, love isn't always easy, but it's what God calls us to. Love is not always easy, but it's what God calls us to. It's not easy all the time to love people because people can be difficult to love. And the fact of the matter is, even if we don't see it, we personally can be difficult to love at times Mm -hmm. within our lives. But we we don't want to admit admit that or talk about that because then we have to look at ourselves and our weaknesses. But this is the calling that we have as God's children. If we are representing our heavenly father, we've got to love like he loves. He calls us and he shows us how to love others. He shows us how to love those obnoxious people in our lives, those coworkers that get on our nerves. He shows us how to love. We're gonna be praying for you, Irving. If we're gonna grow in our love, then we must know it won't be easy at times. But here's the deal, as a follower of Jesus, it's not always easy. Jesus never promised us that it would be easy to follow after him. But that's the command and that's, that's the right thing that he's called us to. It's the right thing for us to do to follow Christ and to surrender ourselves, our fleshly desires, what we want in order for what God wants for us. And in the end, through it all, as a follower of Christ, we will have the most fulfilling life Amen. that we could possibly even want or imagine. So my challenge is this. Let Holy Spirit grow his fruit in you. Let him do his work in you. In these different nine areas of the fruit of the Spirit. Let love ring true in your life. Love for God. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Put him first. And have a love for people the way that you would love yourself. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to grow our spiritual resume starting with love. Because it's the foundation and the core of all the other eight fruit that are listed there in Galatians 5.